Well, like I mentioned at the beginning, we have a year-long discipleship question that Mark, Pastor Mark has, um, is putting before us this year. And the question is, do I trust God? Now, Pastor Mark set a foundation for my message this morning very beautifully. And if you heard his message last Sunday... It was called Trusting God as the Author of Life. And if you didn't hear it, I'm going to encourage you to go back and listen to it because it was an excellent message, and I'm not just saying that because I'm his number one fan. It was an excellent message. You can find that on Spotify or YouTube or Facebook, but that set a really good foundation. His last point of his message was God made a way for humanity to have eternal life. So he was talking about God as the author of life, not just here, but in eternity as well. And because God has made a way for us to have eternal life, my message today is that we can trust him through death and dying. Now, I know that this can be a topic that can pull at our heartstrings a little bit because the loss that we experience um, when we lose someone that we love can really be um, deep in our heart. And so I want you to know that God's Spirit is here to be our comforter today as I share this message. That's one of his main jobs. The Holy Spirit's one of his main jobs is to comfort us. And so his Spirit is here. And I just want to take a minute to start with prayer. So thank you, Heavenly Father, for the opportunity. Thank you even for the health and strength and even the ability to hear your word, to be gathered, um, to be watching on a screen, wherever we're partaking of this time together. Thank you because you have given us that ability. And thank you, Jesus, that you did come to this earth so that we could um, have eternal life. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are our comforter. And I know that when we talk about a topic like this, it can bring up some really um, deep hurts or, or sadness. And I'm just asking for those of us um, that, that need your presence, um, we all do, but that you would just minister to us very individually and very um, tangibly. We thank you for the opportunity to be together, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week, this past week, I had a really comical conversation with a young person in my life. They were sharing about their life and some of the goals that they had in their life for the next 20 years. And in the middle of them going on and on about all of these goals, they kind of stopped and looked at me, and, and they were saying, you know, I'm entering the prime of my life. And when they, when they said that, they stopped, and then they looked at me, and they said, I'm not like you who in the next 20 years is heading towards the end of their life. <laughs> and then they got kind of embarrassed and a little bit flustered, and I just chuckled, and I said, you know what, you're right. It's all downhill from here for me. <laughs> but if you think about it, though, From the moment we are born, we are all one day closer to the end of our earthly life. Isn't that an interesting thought? From the day we are born, we're one day closer to the end of our life, our earthly life, no matter how long that life on earth may be. I have one main point that I'd like to share with you today, and I'm going to kind of break it down as we go through the message, but this is my main point that I'd like you to remember, and it is simply because heaven is our home, As Christians, we don't fear death and can trust God's timing for our own death and dying and for those we love, too. 
okay? So if you remember nothing else, remember that. Because heaven is our home. As Christians, we don't fear death and dying. And we can trust God's timing for our own death and dying and for those we love, too. And if we understand and take to heart this main point, it will help normalize death and dying and will help us to trust God when we're faced with our own death or the dying of others. You see, we live in a time where modern medicine and science and technology have prolonged life much longer than it used to to be. If you do some research and study, you'll know that the average life expectancy today is 79.05 years old. That's almost 80 years old. And that is up 0.08% from 2021. Projections are that life expectancy steadily climbs by 0.08% each year. Now, if we compare that to 160 years ago, the average life expectancy then was 39.4 years of age. That's a 40-year difference, isn't it? And because current life expectancy is so much longer, death and dying is not as common as it used to be, and therefore it's not something we experience as often as people did back in earlier times. And this can even this topic can even make some of us feel uncomfortable talking about death. Maybe some of you were like, if I knew that this was going to be the topic today, I don't know that I would have showed up, right? <laughs> even though we don't like to talk about it, these are really, really important conversations for us to have in the church. And this is a safe place to have these conversations, <coughs> excuse me, because God's spirit is here to bring truth but also to bring comfort. And that's why we prayed and invited him to be in our midst today. One of the things that the past couple years with COVID did was it reminded humanity of its mortality, didn't it? And although many of us believe that Jesus is coming back very, very soon, the fact of the matter is that until his return, death is a very real part of life. But as Christians, one of the things that's different for us is that we don't have to fear dying. In fact, the theme verse of Christianity tells us why we don't have to fear dying. I'm going to read this to you from the New International Reader's Version. It says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Anyone who believes in him will not die, but will have eternal life. I want to look at another scripture with you, 2 Corinthians 5, that further explains this eternal life for those who have asked Jesus to be their Savior. Now remember, when we say Jesus is our Savior, the definition of a Savior is someone who saves you from something, right? So Jesus saves us from a lot of things. In this case, Jesus saves us from death and gives us life in heaven with him forever. So I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 5, verse 1 through 5, and then we're going to take each verse and and go through it. I'm reading to you out of the New Living Translation. And by the way, if anyone needs a paper Bible, we have some of these New Living Translations available at the next steps, and it would be our honor to, to gift you a Bible or someone that you know. So let's look at 2 Corinthians 5, verses 1 through 5. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, 
we will have a house in heaven. An eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. Isn't that beautiful imagery? Swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this, and as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. Let's look at each of these verses and dig a little deeper. In verse 1, Paul is using this phrase, earthly tent, as imagery for our bodies. Just like a tent is temporary and flimsy, you don't, most people don't live in a tent permanently, right? Tents are temporary and, and flimsy. Just like tents are temporary and flimsy, so are our bodies. (laughs) Our bodies are frail, our bodies are vulnerable, and really our bodies are wasting away. But then Paul contrasts that with our house in heaven. This is a permanent and solid structure made by God. So it will be perfect and permanent. And how many of you would say amen to a perfect body, right? (laughs) Then in verse 2, It says that we grow weary in our present bodies, and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. In the NIV, it says we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, and all the people over age 45 said, amen. (laughs) Now, let me explain something to those of you who are under the age of 40. Around age 40 or 45, that's when you have to start considering the cost and the risk of every single activity that you do. For example, if you take a run, you have to decide, is this going to be worth the pain I'm going to experience for the next few days? If you get on the floor with your grandkids, you have to ask yourself, is anyone going to be there to help me get back up? And what type of sounds will come out of my body as I do get back up, right? (laughs) Physical bodies begin to deteriorate. And we long for the perfection that will be ours when we put on our glorious spiritual body. 1 Corinthians 15, 42 to 44 speaks more about this. It says, in the same, it is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die. And let me just remind us, it's an earthly body that gets planted. It's not our eternal body that gets planted. It's just dust that gets planted. But they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. And these spiritual bodies are the bodies that God will give us when we get to heaven. Just like it says in verse 3 back in 2 Corinthians, it says, we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. Biblical scholars believe that our bodies will be very similar to Christ's body after his resurrection. 
Remember when Jesus came back to life and he met with different people? He, he was on this earth for a while. When he appeared to his followers, he wasn't a ghost. He had a body. He had a resurrected, glorified, physical body. In the same way, our bodies will be bodies that are physical, yet imperishable. They'll be without corruption, and they'll be adaptable to live forever with God. And that's going to be an amazing body, won't it? Verse, let's go back and look at verse 4. It says that while we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh, but it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. You know, a lot, of there, a lot of times people talk about the grave swallowing up life. As Christians, as believers, that's not our reality. Our reality is that life swallows up death. Isn't that amazing? Life swallows up death. That's a, a real change of perspective than the way most people look at death and dying. 1 Corinthians 15, 54 to 55 says, Then when our dying bodies have been, been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Jesus came to remove that sting. And it's the Holy Spirit is the one who makes this all happen, like it says in verse 5 here. It says, God himself has prepared us for this, and as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guarantees us that one day we will be totally transformed into the likeness of Christ's glorified body. And it's the Holy Spirit who um, makes the resurrection power of Jesus a reality for us as believers. So here's a foundation of truth, that this is the truth that we have because of Jesus, because of God, because of the Holy Spirit. This is the reality for those who have said yes to Jesus. Knowing the truth of what happens is the first step. However, where the rubber really, really meets the road is the next part of my main point, which is trusting God's timing in regards to your own death, and others as well. One of the first scriptures that came to my mind, because um, I really felt like this was uh, the heart of the message here, is trusting God's timing through um, death and dying. And the scripture that God brought to my mind is, Psalm, is found in Psalm 139, 16 through 17. And if you look at Psalm 139, I believe it's verse 14. It says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And that's normally where we go to when we think about Psalm 139, is that part about God knitting us together when we were hidden in our mother's womb. But if you read a little bit further, you'll see it's not just the beginning of our life, that God is a part of and working in, it's the end of our life where God is a part of and working in as well. So Psalm 139, 16 to 17 says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I want to read part of that again. Every day of my life Every single day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Do you believe that to be true? 
that the beginning of your life, every single day of your life, the last day of your earthly life was planned before you were even born. Because if we believe that to be true, then we don't have to fear our life coming to, to an end before God's appointed time. Even if we get a life-threatening illness, we can be assured that we will not die one day sooner or later than what God has appointed for us. Of course, we pray for healing and believe in miracles. We believe that here at Cheney Faith Center. And people do get healed if it's not their appointed time to go. Most of us know people who have been healed, and we know people who have not been healed as well. The decision is God's. We don't get to somehow muster that up to change. <laughs> That's God's decision. And we can trust that he has an appointed and very purposeful time for our day, the day of our birth and the day of our death as well. The fact of the matter is, unless Jesus returns, until Jesus returns, I should say, because we believe he is returning, we will all die one day, right? Until he returns, that's something that's common for all of humanity. But our assurance is that that specific day has been preordained, recorded, appointed, and purposed by God kind of makes me think of um, we believe that things don't come to us that haven't gone through God's hands first. If you think about um, the beginning of the book of Job, um, the enemy came to try to um, really destroy Job's life, and God said, okay, I'm going to allow that to happen. And I think the point that I just want us to really um, take in our heart is that God is sovereign, but, but God's hand is in all of this. And we don't understand oftentimes why God does the things he does. Oftentimes we don't understand the timing of God. But the point of the matter is he's the potter and we're the clay. And even though sometimes it'd be nice to understand, trusting comes even when we don't understand. And it allows us to have a deeper and more um, real relationship with God. This... Um, so this doesn't change the questions we may have with God's timing, but there is a peace and there is a confidence that we can have, a, a soul-level rest and trust that we can experience when we believe that all the days of our lifetime are written in his book and fashioned for his divine purpose. The question then becomes, do I trust God with the time and circumstances of my death? And that's, I mean... I don't know that that's something we take time to think about, or maybe we don't even have to really take time to think about it, but we're thinking about it today, aren't we? <laughs> Do I trust God with the time and circumstances of my death? And to take it a step further, do I trust him with the time and circumstances of my death as much as I trust him with the time and circumstances of my day-to-day -day life? If we trust God with our day-to-day -day life, then we can trust him with that day whenever it comes as well. Well, this past week, <clears throat> I had to have my first colonoscopy. <laughs> and anyone who knows me well knows that I get very, very squeamish about all things medical. So when they wheeled me into the procedure room, the nurse there asked me, what do you do for a living? And I said, well, I'm a pastor. And he said, that's great. If anything goes wrong here, you know where you're going. <laughs> and I thought... Okay, I don't know if that was very um, professional for a nurse before a procedure, 
it wasn't very comforting, but, and I wanted to get worked up and kind of ticked at him, but the point of, the fact of the matter is, he was right. It's true. I don't have to worry about that. I can trust God's timing for my own death and dying, and so can you. I love in, in Psalm um, 139 how he, he follows verse 16. Let me read that again. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. He follows that with verse 17. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God? How precious are your thoughts about me, O God? They cannot be numbered. Isn't that just so make you feel the warm fuzzies to know that God is his thoughts to you are precious. You are precious to him. And whether you live to be seven years old or 97 years old, that is not reflective of how precious God thinks you are. And someone needs to hear that. Whether you are seven or 97 when you, when you die, that's not reflective of how precious God thinks you are. Those who live to be 97 years old are no more precious than those who live to be seven years old or those who don't even make it out of the womb. So not only can we trust God through our own death and dying, but we can trust him for those that we love too. And this may be the hardest one, <clears throat> the hardest to trust, because I believe many of us here would say, I trust God with my, my own death. I know where I'm going. I'm not afraid when that time comes. However, I really don't want to think about losing those I love most in this world. I don't want to live life without my spouse or my child or my parent or my best friend. Would you agree that that's the hardest part is trusting God with those you love the most? It's like when we move or had someone close to us move away. Which do you think is harder, the one to leave or the one uh, who's left behind? I personally think it's harder to be the one left behind than the one leaving. And that's what happens when we lose someone that we love. Like we read in 2 Corinthians 5, death is moving from one residence to another. And in that time, those of us who are left behind, we experience grief, we experience depression, loss of identity, and a whole lot of change that goes on in our life. <clears throat> and frankly, not many of us want to go through that kind of pain, right? But God has, been our, has sent his spirit to be our comforter in times of loss. And the time we need comfort the most is when we lose someone and we don't even know if they've surrendered their life to Jesus or not. And I want to talk about that just for a minute. I wasn't going to go there, but I feel like God's spirit prompted me to go there a minute. Because... You may be thinking, what about the person who dies before accepting Christ? And how could God do that to them? And those are really, really hard questions for us to grapple with. They're hard for me personally to grapple with. They're hard to answer. But again, I want to look at God's word as the source of truth for that. First of all, in Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says, I'm reading this from the Amplified Version because it gives a a broader meaning. It says, he has also planted eternity, a sense of divine purpose in the human heart. Every single human has, 
who has been born, God has planted a sense of divine purpose or eternity in their hearts. Uh, Okay, has planted eternity in the human heart, a mysterious longing which nothing under the sun can satisfy except God. How many of you remember before you came to Jesus, there was a longing and no one but God could fill that? That's what God has done. He, He has put that inside every single person's heart. Then if we look at Romans 1, 19 through 20, I'm going to read this also from the Amplified Version. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, in their inner consciousness. For God made it evident to them. For ever since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through his workmanship. All his creation, the wonderful things that he has made. So what what Paul is saying here in Romans is that it doesn't matter if you've heard verbally a, a gospel message or not. There's something that's inside of us that is put there by God that helps us to realize there's something bigger than me here. <clears throat> so that they who fail to believe and trust in him are without excuse and without defense. And that, that feels a little bit harsh. That feels a little bit hard. And it's difficult to accept the truth that many people have hardened their hearts to things of God. And I say this with love and respect, but that's not on God. That's on each of us as individuals. We can be assured that every person who has been created has the internal understanding that there is something bigger than them. And we can also trust that they've been given the opportunity to respond to and surrender to God. And we can trust that God in that too, although that can be really, really difficult, can't it? I want to move us to some points of application. And one of the main takeaways that I hope you get from the message today is a, a bit of a change of perspective or maybe a reset of perspective from your perspective being plain earthly to having perspective be heavenly. This isn't all there is, right? In fact, this is just a a precursor to all that there is. And we want to make sure that our perspective is reset from temporal to eternal. And I know that we have a lot that we got to think about and deal with in a day. I I look at the people out here, and I know you. I know your lives. There's a lot that you're dealing with and that you're getting through day by day. Can I encourage you? Let's... Let's do a good job, be diligent and faithful to what God, God has called us here, to, has called us to here. But let's remember that it, it's, there's an eternal reality waiting for us. And we want to be living our lives like we believe that, don't we? As we trust God through death and dying, our focus changes from temporal here on earth to eternal. And some of us might even be struggling with this message. And I want to lovingly just say, let's, let's focus more on heaven as our home than the here and now. I came across a quote recently by C.S. Lewis, and it says, Has this world been so kind to you that you should leave it with regret? <laughs> Anyone? Anyone? <laughs> Has this world been so kind to you that you should leave it with regret? There are better things ahead than any, any 
we leave behind. Even if you have an awesome marriage, there's better things ahead for you. Even if you have been very successful, there's better things ahead for you. There are far better things ahead of us than anything that we live, leave behind. And that's why we can trust God through death and dying. So I have a few questions that I'd like you to consider as you wrap up. If you're a note taker, you might want to write one of these down if it speaks to you. There's three different questions. Um, if you want to take a picture of them, don't feel like anyone thinks you're weird by taking a picture. That's fine. You can do that as well. So I, I, want, I want us to be processing this today and even into this week. So three questions. The first one is, do I trust God's timing for my own death and with the death of those closest to me, spouse, kids, parents, siblings, or best friend? And you know what? We might have to wrestle with this question, and that's okay. It doesn't matter where we're at. It, it's okay to be wrestling with God on things. It's okay to say, you know what? I'm really not at a place where I'm at full trust about this. And, and that is totally okay as well. But I want you to not just like when something's hard or difficult to think about, oftentimes we just want to push it away, right? And I'll deal with that later. But I want you to wrestle with that. Spend some time wrestling with that and asking God um, to help you, to give him... Um, to give you the ability to trust him. Some of these scriptures that we shared today, those might be really good scriptures for you to meditate upon, possibly even memorize to get deep in your heart as you consider this. The second one is, what is stopping me from having the tough conversations with those I love around death and dying? Because that is something that we don't really like to talk about often. Again, it's something that we just push away. And how special is it when we really take time to visit with those we love about these type, types of questions? And this message may have brought up some thoughts for you about some conversations that you may need to have with those you love. And so I'm asking you, are you willing to have those tough conversations? I was reading something this week, and, and there was a quote in there that says, shallow relationships have shallow conversations. Deep relationships have deep conversations. And so those people who you have deep relationship with, it's good to have these deep conversations. And deep conversations can be hard, can't they? But we can do hard things because God gives us the strength and the ability to do hard things. The third question that I want to ask us is, who is someone who doesn't have hope of eternal life that I can pray for daily. And a few months ago, Pastor Mark challenged us with that as well, to choose one person for all of 2022 that we pray for regularly, someone who's far away from the Lord, someone who hasn't said yes to Jesus. Who are those people? Who is that one person that you can pray for daily? Some of the great things that you can pray for are softening of heart <laughs> to things of God, for healing and truth to penetrate their hardened hearts. And it's interesting, oftentimes what keeps people away from Jesus is hurt and hardening of hearts around this topic of death and dying. You've probably known someone who said, I can't trust a God who would let my mom die, that type of thing. And that's what we're praying for. We're praying for softening of hearts, 
We're praying for healing of hearts and for the truth of Jesus to penetrate those hearts. I love to say that there are stories of people accepting Christ right before they die. If we look um, even when Jesus was on the cross and one of the thieves who was next to him said, um, I believe, I'm, and Jesus said, I'm going to see you today when we get to paradise. I, when I was writing this, I was reminded of a man, his name is Mr. Marsh, and his son, Mr. Marsh, <laughs> um, has been had been has been a part of our church for a really really long time and he was probably around maybe 60 or 70 years old when he first started to come to church here at Cheney Faith Center and he I was um he was one of our small group leaders and so I got to meet with him and his wife for quite a while and one of the things that was just so important in their heart and anytime we asked for prayer requests they would say can you please pray for my dad because he's close to the end of his life. He was at that time 80-some years old, and he and we've told him about Jesus and told him about Jesus. And so we started praying for Mr. Marsh, and um, eventually he received a diagnosis that was allowing him only a few weeks left on this earth. And I'll never forget the day when Mark went to visit him and got to tell him the truth about Jesus. Now, his son and daughter-in-law had been telling him about Jesus time and time and time again. I don't know why it was God's timing right then, but Mark got to have the honor of praying with Mr. Marsh, and it was days later that he went home, and he went home to heaven. And God is still doing those miracles today, and that's a hope that we can hold on to in our hearts. These questions that I put up here on the screen, these questions matter because we want to think about these things. We don't want to just be pushing this aside because it's hard to think about. We want to allow ourselves to go there with the Lord. And God is so gentle and so kind to us, and his presence is so real when we have to go there with these difficult things. But we also want to align ourselves with truth. What we shared today from God's word is truth. And we want to lovingly prepare our hearts for our own home going, but also for those we love as well. So as we close our time together this morning, I have one final verse that I'd like to share. And it's found in Isaiah 25, 8 through 9. And this was a prophecy that Isaiah had from God's spirit. And it says, he will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears even the tears that we have even now. He will remove forever all insults and mockery against his land and people. The Lord has spoken. And that day, the people will proclaim, this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord in whom we trusted. Let us rejoice in the salvation that he brings. Can we trust God through death and dying? You bet we can. We are people of God, and we join in that proclamation that says we trusted in God, and he saved us. I'm going to invite Karen to come up, and she's going to play some music. And I really felt like we needed some time to respond to the message today, so I'm going to invite everyone to bow their heads. And I have just three different things that I'm going to take us through and pray after each one. And if 
God's spirit is prompting you in any way, I'm not going to ask you to do anything more than just raise your hand so that I can pray for you. So go ahead and bow your heads. The first thing is, I would be really remiss if I didn't ask, do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you're going after you die? Do you personally believe that Jesus came to this earth, died on the cross, took the punishment for your sins and came back to life? He lives in heaven where you will one day live with him forever. Have you said yes to him and asked him to be the boss, the Lord, the savior of your life? If there's anyone here who has not done that and you feel like God's spirit is tugging at your heart, would you just raise your hand? Okay. I'm going to pray with you afterwards, okay? The second question that I want to ask is, there may be some of us who have recognized God's spirit has pointed out to us an area where there's a lack of trust around this topic of death and dying. Or maybe you've realized you've been living with more of an earthly perspective than an eternal one and you you want God to, to give you trust and you want him to change your perspective from earthly to heavenly. If that's you, would you raise your hand so I could pray for you? Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you come in such a tender yet firm and loving way to bring truth to our hearts. And there's some of us here today who who want to trust you deeper around this topic. There's some of us who we've been focused too much on the things of our day-to-day life and we've lost sight of a heavenly perspective. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you meet us right where we're at. Thank you that we don't have to be ashamed about that. We just get to come to you with our whole heart or whatever part of it we can bring and say, we trust you. Increase our trust, increase our our faith, our belief. Give us your heavenly perspective. And while heads are bowed, um, my final question is, I believe that God wants to bring another layer of healing to some of us who have lost loved ones. Whether that loss was in the last year or decade or even a lifetime ago. There's a verse from Psalm 116 that is especially for you. Listen closely. It says, his loved ones are very precious to him and he does not lightly let them die. His loved ones are very precious to him and he does not lightly let them die. If you need another layer of healing because of loss, would you just raise your hand and allow me to pray over you? lot of brokenness in our world and because of that those we love have have passed but 
Jesus, you did not take that lightly. And in fact, the last moment of their breath, um, as they knew you, the last moment of life here, they were welcomed in heaven with you. And I thank you for that, Jesus. For those of us who are left behind and trying to figure out life without our loved one, you see that? And you are ever so near to bring comfort, to bring help, to bring hope and peace. And even if our loved one passed many, many years ago, our lives are affected and you know that. care deeply and that's why you even Father that's even why you sent Jesus for exactly this reason so that one day there would be no more tears there would be no more goodbyes there would be no more pain thank you for bringing your healing to those deep places of our hearts. Your presence is here, mending, and we thank you. Lord, for some of us, um, this message is in preparation for the future. Help us to remember and hold on to these truths. Because heaven is our home as Christians, we don't fear dying. And we trust you for our own death and for the death of those we love. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I'm going to be up here. If anyone would like some one-on-one prayer, I'd love to pray with you. Thanks for being a part of church today. Always remember that Jesus loves you very much, and so do Mark and I. Have a great week.